This is May 18th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome into the Bruins Pete on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. I hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. The playoffs are upon us, and it is amazing. And this episode is fully dedicated to Bruins Capitals. Now, I know, obviously, this, this was recorded before Game 2, so I don't exactly know how Game 2 went. However, we just Connor and I discussed a lot of bigger picture things in this episode, how we expect the offense to perform, why you shouldn't be flipping out about Tuka Rask, um, the physicality aspect of things. We get into a lot of different topics around this series that I think are going to be big over the course of it. I, we also got into a little bit around the league, a little Battle of Florida, a uh, little uh, Islanders Penguins. So this was a great episode. Fun to obviously be talking about playoff hockey again. Um, it always is just, it, it's so fun this time of year. The intensity, um, you know, the importance of these games. It's so fun. The games are so entertaining, no matter the score. So as I said, this is just such a fun time of year. And I'm so happy that we all get to experience it together. It's really, uh, it's really something. Uh, before we get into the episode though, bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at bet online. Get all the latest news, odds and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and even UFC and MMA. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up before the next pitch. Head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and take advantage of that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on that action. Don't forget to use the promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus. Again, CLNS50 to get that 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline. Your online sportsbook experts. Also, you know, maybe you want to bet on the Bruins. Win in the cup. Maybe you want to bet on the Red Sox, win in the World Series. I don't know about the Celtics, but those two, a Patriots with the Super Bowl, all time, all kinds of fun prop bets. Go to bet online today to get that 50% welcome bonus. Again, promo code CLNS50. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Just as I said, graduated. I said on Bruins Beat last week that I would be graduating on Friday. I graduated. It was a great ceremony. Coach you know, Greg Carvel gave a great speech. Uh, it was quick, though. It was, it was a great ceremony. It was like 40 minutes. It was awesome. That's, In, that's, out. That's perfect. That's all you Boom. need. That's the worst part of the graduation is usually, especially if it's outside, you're just roasting for like two hours. Oh yeah. No. And it was, it was, it wasn't hot, but it was hot for what we've been used to. So right. it was like, Oh man, wearing, you know, uh, khakis and a button down and a robe and that hat gets hot, but it's nice because it hats up. They had waters and it was quick. It was so quick. And there were like four graduations in one day, you know, in and out, boom, boom. It was awesome. It's a nice little party after. And then on Saturday and then on Sunday. So it was nice. It was a nice little weekend, but we're back. It's Monday. Uh, and we are, uh, we're we're talking Bruins, and that's all that, that that matters. Did you have anything big happen to you over the weekend? Anything fun? Uh, no, it was mostly just uh, fighting uh, people on Twitter. Is what I did for most of the weekend. So that, that's how I spent most of my a couple of graduations. Uh, you know, everyone I 
uh, is doing their own kind of different thing now. Hopefully we're at the end of the pandemic. So we're having more logic gatherings pretty soon. So a couple of low key things, but um, no, as a whole, just uh, fighting Bruins fans on Twitter was what I did most of the time. So we'll get into that in a second, but we always hope for breaking news to break when we're about to record or recording and breaking news. And I saw this earlier, this broke earlier and it was rumored to be happening, but Charlie Baker, Announced all industries are printed to open at 100% capacity on May 29th. Boom, boom. So I wonder if that if that means the garden at all. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get we'll get a release probably clarifying that. But regardless, great news. Great news, no matter what. Uh, but speaking of, well, not so great news. You mentioned the people getting mad on the old Twitter. Uh, I think the story of so obviously we're recording this Monday. I know people hate this. I, 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 it, it sucks. Okay. We record on Mondays and that's never going to change. And it's unfortunate because we have literally one game to go off of, but we're going to try to make a bigger picture. Um, Tuka Rask in game one was kind of the thing that Bruins fans or some Bruins fans griped the most about. I don't understand this. I don't. Now I am not, I, I, I look, there are times when Rask screws up. Okay. And I'm totally fine with saying Rask screwed up because <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what we do. <laughs> that's how it works. But Tuka Rask was not why you lost on Saturday night. He just wasn't. You lost because your top six didn't do anything. <clears throat> and have you heard that song and dance before? Yes. Now also it's one game. It's also one game. But Connor, tell the people why they shouldn't be flipping out over Tuka Rask. Well, it's because, I mean, it, it, what frustrates me about it is that you can't be pragmatic and look at it from a rational take of which like you know there's people who are just frothing at the mouth about you know Ras costing that game and like I don't think anyone uh you know post game was like Rask was great right I don't think anyone was like oh right you know if Rask was truly unbelievable it would be it would be a shutout right like we'll say that right he wasn't unstoppable however I don't know how it is that you look at that game if you watched it, which I feel like just people just want to be miserable looking at Rask and don't watch the actual friggin' game happening. Like, how you can't see the forest for the trees and realize that, okay, did you want that OT goal back? Of course. Who, everyone wants any OT goal back. I don't care if it's a snipe or if it's a deflection or a rebound. Everyone's an OT goal back. But you should not have been in that position in which you had to go to overtime against a four-string goalie who played in four games, who was letting up rebounds on almost every other puck you got on net. Problem was you weren't shooting any pucks on net on the guy. I mean, you had 21 complete missed shots, which is almost impressive, if not outright, you know, <laughs> That's kind of goal in and of itself. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, would Rask like that goal back? Yeah, of course. But I don't know how you can watch that game and that be your big takeaway is that Rask costs you, especially in five-on-five -five play. I mean, uh, there are people – talking about, you know, he he bit down too low on, on Wilson's goal, which is a snipe uh, in the corner on a three-on-one off of a, a broken stick from Charlie McAvoy. Uh, the second goal where it gets tipped and deflected like six inches off of where it was eventually, like ended up going off that weird deflection in front. Um, well, went off Lozon, didn't it? Yeah, one off Lozon, he's battling uh, Ovechkin down low. So. Also, love on that love on that goal, Ovechkin celebrating as if he scored it. In reality, yeah, like course. it just didn't, it like didn't, it didn't hit him. Like it just did. I don't know how he thought he did, but it didn't hit him. Um, I, I wonder if he knows if the uh, postseason goals don't count against the overall record. So I think maybe, maybe he's <laughs> just he's doing whatever he can. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know how you look at that game if you watched it, and your biggest takeaway isn't. 
the fact that your top six wasn't able to do anything, the fact that you were passing up uh, clear chances. I mean, I there were so many different times where I feel like if you were an actual fan watching a game of hockey and you just want, want to be miserable about your goaltender, like if you just watch that first minute of overtime, I mean, Pasternak has a pretty much a one-on-one matchup against Orlov, could have dro- driven right to the net against Craig Anderson, and he hesitates – holds up and then rips like a low danger shot from the slot that Orlov just blocks easily. Like yep. that, that, that is like a prime example, I think of. And then I think, you know, the Bruins recover the puck after it goes wide. Marshan gets it and he kind of flips it back out into the slot into no man's land. And I think Michael Roffel picks it up and there goes that chance. Like that kind of knockout punch you could have had the side of overtime. And that was what you saw from most of that, especially that top line in, in that matchup. And, um, yeah, it, it's one of those things where I don't know if you want to take it like a positive perspective going out of the game in that, you know, the top six did absolutely nothing. Uh, and, you know, you still went to overtime when you had a few bad deflections go, go against you and what have you. But, um, you know, you can look at the positives of like Jake DeBrusque broke through. And I thought that fourth line as a whole looked pretty good. Um, as much as I think people are worried about the Bruins getting inside, um, I feel like that wasn't as much of a problem as people were talking about in terms of like, you know, the Tampa series, which like they couldn't, everyone was blocking shots. It was, they just weren't taking shots. Like they were actually at their best in the offensive zone is when they were floor checking. And I think we've talked about this countless times, but caps defense big, but pretty slow. You can beat them to a lot of loose pucks. And that's how you saw a lot of the chances. The problem was they go up high and there either wasn't an NF three up there or there wasn't a defenseman up there who is going to be able to, you know, corral the puck or fire it back in. It was, you know, recover down low, cycling around, but not getting to a shot on net. So um, obviously things to work on, but I think also positive things to build off of out of one game. But again, if you take away from that game, hopping on Rask for, for the reason you lost. And granted, you know, we'll, let's see what happens. They could, they could play on Tuesday and it could be, uh, you know, we could be checking on Tuesday and they lose 6-1 and then we have a problem. But you know what? I think anyone who had the, the rational take of Rask was not the primary reason. We more than willing to announce, you know, Tuesday that Rask cost him the game if he lets up six goals. But in a game like that, if that's your big takeaway, you just you're, you're rooting against your team in terms of you know trying to pile on on Rask, which I think is just asinine. It's funny. Last year, I remember, uh, or not last year, last playoffs in the Hurricanes series when Rask kind of had that comment of this doesn't feel like postseason hockey. Mm-hmm. I was one of the people who wrote, like, don't worry about Rask. He'll be fine. And then, like, two days later, he's leaving the bubble. And I'm like, oh, my God. So it's always yeah. tough when you die on these hills, especially in these, you know, recorded arenas like we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that and things can change so quickly. But, yes, again, you have to score on Craig Anderson. Looks like he's probably going to start game two. I don't want to touch on game two too much. Because yeah. people will be listening to this after it comes out. Um, cause I think it, th- it doesn't really make sense to be like, Oh, what are they going to do in the game two? Like game two happened. And, and you can never tell with the, the mind games that Peter Laviolette plays where he doesn't announce the lineup really, really gets all of us guessing, right? Don't you oh, love he, that? Oh, thank, he's thank, God Bruce, thank God Bruce Cassidy just will announce anything in terms of the lineup because who gives a shit? <laughs> like honestly, like it. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe uh, that's why, been... maybe that's why the Bruins didn't win the Stanley Cup in 2019. The real reason was Bruce Cassidy let his lineup out. That was that's the reason. Maybe. The Blues had maybe, maybe we're like... not talking about the real stories here, Evan. Yeah, it wasn't that you know Grizzlick wasn't playing or you know uh, you know you're missing guys or missed calls. It was because of Bruce Cassidy doing yeah. that. 
That's the reason. That's the, that's the reason. People forget that. But yeah, no, completely agree. It is unbelievable to me uh, that uh, a coach still doesn't reveal his lineup like that. Like just, what, dude, what are you doing? Like, who cares? Like they probably, like, I don't know. doesn't make any sense to me, but there's some method to the madness. I don't, I don't really understand it. Um, so uh, scoring needs to be better. Another thing I think that needs to be a little bit better is, uh, and it's tough when you're on the road because you don't get that last change. However, uh, your deep pairing matchups, uh, when it came to that first line of Ovechkin, Baxter, and Mantha, were not too good in game one. It was Lozon and Miller. Didn't have great results. Weren't tremendous. Um, obviously, I don't know if, I don't think Cassidy would, uh, in a perfect world, aka at home, I don't know if he would match those two up mm-hmm. against that line. Uh, Lozon is out, was out for game two. Clifton was in. Don't know how he did, because again, <laughs> doesn't happen yet. Uh, but I do think that you are going to need a better matchup on that, on that Ovechkin line. I think whether it's, you know, Riley and Carlo, or if you want to put Grizzlick with Carlo, or like, there's got to be some way that you can make that matchup better, uh, for you. What, what do you, what has to be done in that regard? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of McAvoy, McAvoy against him. And again, there's a lot of risk involved with that, especially if he's with Grizzlick and the fact that I mean, you've got two big bodies on that line in Ovechkin and Mantha, who people forget is also a, a tank, tank of a guy. Um, Dude. yeah. So, I mean, that, that's the, the risk you run into, but I think kind of Cassidy alluded to it on Sunday, uh, you know, on, on their off day talking about it that it's not like, you know, they're afraid to do it during the regular season. It's not like, you know, McAvoy and Grizzlick are a sheltered pair or, you know, they're afraid of these big matchups. It's just preferably during the grind of a postseason, you wouldn't like to do it, you know, game after game against a, a team like the Capitals, but you kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, because, you know, we saw it just through one game. It didn't really work out too well with Lozon and Miller. And it could be one of those situations where I think usually that McAvoy and Grizzlick pairing, why they're so good or why they avoid kind of getting hemmed in or getting, uh, knocked around quite a bit. It's usually because they're on the other side of the ice, right? Like it's a good offense. Sometimes can be a good defense, right? In terms of you not really getting hemmed in that much uh, and dealing with those grade A chances. So that could be kind of the the strategy they have, but again, easier said than done because you can go into a, a game plan hoping that you're tilting the ice in your favor. But when you got a guy like Alex Ovechkin, who you have a good structure in place, you think you have it all set and all of a sudden his one time is in the back of the net you have to deal with that. Right. So th- th- that's one of the challenges. Um, but it's probably your best bet right now. Like it's tough to even gauge the, the Kyle Riley line, because I think that's a, a pairing as much as you would think, okay, Brennan Kyle is the best shutdown guy. They really, that, that second pairing with Riley, especially has been pretty sheltered during their limited time so far. I mean, I think at the end of the regular season, I want to say 75% of their uh, faceoffs are in the offensive zone, which is a cr- that's a crazy amount of, of like ozone reps. That's like people talk about how when Kala was with crew, how sheltered that pairing is. That pairing was still getting about like, you know, 60, 65, which is very heavy ozone deployment, but 75 is nuts. You know, that, that, that's, that's crazy. Um, but I don't know what kind of else is your best option there. I mean, I, I don't think you're going to be able to keep them at that 75% rate in the playoffs, or if not, you've got a serious issue or you're really afraid of how Mike Riley's going to do in the D zone. But, um, it, it, yeah. So I would imagine it's probably McAvoy and Carl, uh, McAvoy and Grizzly will get quite a few looks to start, but, um, yeah, they're going to have to adjust it because that third pairing and that third line, especially with, uh, Coyle, Corrali and Richie were having a really tough time against that line. Oh yeah. And I also think it's funny, uh, in game one, Riley and Carl are 50% ozone starts. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Um, I, you know, again, that's half and half, but yeah, I, I just think, you know, it's tough because on the left side, you know, you have Grizzly, you have Riley, you have Lozon. Now Lozon's out. So for left shots, you're now down to Grizzly and Riley. Neither are shut down left shot guys. So, you know, and that's, you want to have the le- left, right shot pairings, um, ideally going against these, these top lines. So yeah, as you said, I think Grizzly and Mac would be the ideal. Uh, duo to go against that that top trio um but yeah i mean that top line of ovechkin baxter mantha is good man i mean that's a good line and they played pretty damn well in game one and i i just you know it's funny the more i look at this uh the more i look at the these top four for for washington you know you realize that they're all right i do think an area where um the bruins are uh at least after game one it's a little tough is Zdeno Chara, uh, in a sense, because Chara is not going against your top six. Uh, just going off of game one, I think that, you know, the guys he went against the least actually in the game were the top six. Yes. Uh, he did not really ever go against, uh, or he didn't go against them much, like I think less than two minutes each, uh, went against those top two lines. So he's going against your bottom six and Chara's pretty good. Like Chara's still got it. And when he's going, you know, he shut down the Corrali line pretty damn good, uh, in that, in game one. So, now you also have to deal with him. Uh, and this, again, this is why like home ice matters, I think the most in the playoffs. It's not even the fans obviously are a big thing and being at home and being comfortable, but I think a big thing is the line matchups. We say this every yes. year, like, you know, being able to in game seven have the lot, the matchups that you would like because you can do it, um, is a big thing. And that's why uh, I think that, you know, that's why home ice really matters so much is because you get that last change. Like that actually matters a lot. Uh, because now again, if you're looking for the Corrali line, to get you a goal, they're going against Chara, which is not exactly the most ideal situation in the world. Are there any lines you'd change up? So right now, obviously, and, and, and game two, by the way, is the same lineup. It's going to yes. be, you know, Marcia Bergeron, Pasternak, Hall, Krejci, Smith, uh, Wagner, Lazard, DeBrusque, and um, Richie, Corrali, Coyle. Is there anywhere you would mix up? Uh, I mean, I, think, I guess it will probably depend on what we see, see in game two. Um, but that that third line could be a line that could get tweaked if they have another kind of performance like that where, uh, you know, it's tough because you have Coyle coming back from his upper body injury. Uh, Bruce Cassidy mentioned that that wasn't an injury they thought was going to really affect him. You know, it wasn't like he had to build his game back up for being out for a few games. But that was a third line that down the stretch there was giving a lot of good five-on-five offense, playing a heavy physical game. You would imagine that would have translated into this Washington series, right? Where you need that kind of heavy line against them to match and score five and five goals when, when the opportunity is there, but really couldn't get much going uh, in game one. So that could be all line that gets switched up. Um, if they continue to just kind of struggle, I did like the, uh, the fourth line. I thought all those guys did their job pretty well. I mean, I think Lazar was driving North South Wagner, I think had eight hits DeBrus gets that goal. And I mean, he had that good back check on, you know, that John Carlson shot, yep. um, and also was like, you know, driving to the net well, again, wasn't getting many shots off, but at least he was, he was putting himself in great AI, which, you know, hopefully if, you know, DeBrus continues to play like that, you know, hopefully it, it's something where you look at it as like, you know, regular season did not go well, to say the least for Jake DeBrusque. But if this is, he can kind of uh, close the book on that year and have it kind of be a new clean slate in the postseason and, and get some goals going, that would go a long way, not just for his confidence, but also for the lineup as a whole, if you're getting that scoring from, the third or fourth line. So, you know, if that fourth line, if that third line rather continues to struggle, maybe you get DeBrus back at third at, you know, the left wing on the third line. But 
so I think that's probably the, the biggest question mark right now is that they're lying. So if they have another performance like they had in game one, then you might have to start shuffling things up. But I don't see any other major changes with, you know, obviously the top six or, you know, the fourth line wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't an area of weakness really in that first game. Hey, shout out me, by the way. I said to Russ, we lead the Bruins in goals this year. I meant to say postseason. Yeah, meant true. to say postseason. He's leading them in the postseason. So, DeBrusque and Richie, the two leading goal scorers of the postseason thus far. Who's going to prevail? Who's going to prevail out of those two? I mean, geez, mm. two potential big cons. How crazy would it be, though, if DeBrusque was like at the end of the, at the end of the, if Bruins won the cup, DeBrusque is the cons winner. I mean, that would be an absurd, complete like 180 yes. uh, turnaround. So, I'm not going to get too ahead of ourselves in that regard. Let's go around the league a little bit before we wrap up. Let's go around the league a little bit. And really, I run the league. I just mean, let's go down to Florida. Battle of Florida. How about that freaking series? We knew it was going to be good. But, I mean, game one legitimately was one of the best hockey games I've ever saw. Just, like, in terms of intensity for full 60 minutes. Like, there was never a part of that game that was slow. And and honestly, I'll, I'll say this. I never thought I would ever say this in my lifetime. That place was lit. Florida, yeah. the, the BBT Banks, what is it? BB&T Banks Arena or something? Yeah. BB&T Center, I think it is. Whatever. Florida Center, Panthers Arena, whatever, whatever it's called. Panthers City. We'll call it Panthers City. Yeah. Okay. Incredible. Those fans were into it. It was so nice to see like almost 100% capacity. People just going nuts. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I think it's, you're going to see a lot more around the league. Like people just want to get out and yell now. <laughs> like it's just, they want to just, yes. just yell. Like, you know, you could put a Yankees Orioles game at Fenway Park. And if it was 100% capacity, all Red Sox fans would show up and just cheer no matter what. They would just cheer fully for nine innings straight. Um, and it is so fun to just see like it, it, it was a real playoff game. Like that. Yeah. You could have put that in any time and been like, oh, that was from like what, like 2018 or something? Right, um, yeah. But incredible. Aside from the fans and stuff, great hockey. Uh, and you have, you know, Bobrovsky and Nat. Don't know why they don't have uh, Drager. That's his name, right? Yeah. Drager. Yeah. Getting that name wrong. Or Drager even Spencer Knight. Spencer Knight, another one. Uh, but of course, they have Bobrovsky in there, that fun old contract. Um, and then, of course, you have Kucherov, who magically returned. Crazy. It's incredible. It's no, Talk about that, a comeback story. It's in a while. I mean, I think we were talking about this earlier that. You know, uh, David Pasternak, as much as, you know, he's about, I want to say nine-ish months removed from major hip surgery. Um, you know, still, you know, 48 points in 48 games this year, but still not finishing goals nearly as much as he, as he regularly does. Timing's a little bit off on the, uh, you know, on his top, on the top six, you know, and on the one timer, but still as a whole doing pretty well, but timing not quite there. Kudrav, looks like his timing's pretty good, right? I don't know. It seems like, you know, for a guy who missed the whole year, it seems like that timing is impeccable with, with on the power play. So it's funny how that works out that way, right? Incredible recovery by him. I mean, really. Uh, yeah. you know, something that you, you just, you know, you'll tell your kids about. Uh, right. You know, there's, tw- there's 28 to 3 Patriots uh, Falcons Super Bowl, and then there's Nikita Kucherov, his comeback. I mean, just really something that that's incredible. Another thing, uh, the Islanders Penguins series, Tristan Jari. I love Steve Conroy's tweet about it. You know, if you if you have a problem with Rask, please watch Tristan Jari for sixty yep. minutes and let me know if uh, you still got that problem with Rask because yeah. it is incredible to see the the goaltending there, and that's why I think it. You know, again, but also like the Bruins are playing Craig Anderson. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, there's, there's a there's a lot of lessons <laughs> you can take from that Pittsburgh uh, Islanders game of one. Yeah, thank God you have Rask and not Tristan Jari, and also, hey, get pucks on next. Well, watch what happens when you've got a. Uh, in the Bruins case now, a full string goalie you're probably going up against. So it's crazy what happens when you just get pucks on net. Absurd. 
absurd. Stuff I never thought I'd ever see. But yeah, no, the playoffs have been great. The playoffs have been great thus far. I mean, it's it's only been a few days. But again, I love the first round because they're not the, you know, their games, they're intense. Obviously, they don't, you know, they're not, uh, you know, win or go home type uh, games, but it's just all hockey all day. Like Sunday was just hockey from 12 to, or 12.30 because it was NBC to like 10 p.m. It was awesome. And that is just, I miss that. It was like, remember like in the, in the bubble when it first started, it would be games from like, you know, like 11, 12 PM to like, you know, two, two in the morning. It was, it was awesome. Like March, it was like March madness. Yes. It actually, it was March madness of hockey. It was August madness. That should be that NHL should make that their thing. August, August madness. madness. Yes. August madness. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's, uh, that's Bruins caps and that's the whole, the league. I'm, I'm very excited to see how this Bruins capital series turns out. I personally think the Bruins are still fine. Uh, if I had to make my uh, prediction for game three, I think they're going to come out really good because I think they came out really good in game two, but game two hasn't happened yet. So I don't want anyone pulling the audio after like a 6-1 loss and being like, oh, I thought they played really well. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but at any rate, uh, what can the people look forward to over PSJ? Yeah, we're going to be obviously breaking down game by game of this uh, Bruins Cap series. So we'll have all the analysis, video review, all that good stuff over at BSJ. So subscribe over at bostonsportsjournal.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at ConnorRyan underscore 93. Go do all that for CLS Media. I'm Evan Baranofsky. You Bruinsby listeners have an amazing rest of your week. (laughs) 